Awesome date, October 17, 2011. Awesome topic, Anime Week in Atlanta, also in 2011. This is the Awesome Cast. folks, and welcome back to the Awesome Cast, the podcast for everything awesome. I'm Basil. I'm Kevin. And I'm Bonnie. That's right, and that's us. Um, we've just gotten, well, last weekend was, uh, or two weekends ago or so, was uh, Anime Week in Atlanta, 2011. Was it 2016? 17? Oh, there's something we should know, but I want to say 17. It was it was many many AWAs and I mean hell they don't even really you know mention it on their website or anything anymore. It's just you know AWA now. They don't even bother saying the date or I mean, not the the number. So anyway, two thousand eleven was totally a convention we went to and overall I think had a great time. And we usually do our con reports um, the nights of AWA or the convention we go to, but AWA was in fact. So jam-packed with stuff we were doing, we didn't actually have time to actually record. That one random thing with, I don't even know if we we'll, showed we'll, up we'll, on. We'll get, we'll get to that later. Yeah. Get to that okay, later. Okay, yeah, let's try to have that some was, semblance of chronological order. That wasn't us. Also, we tend to con later than everybody else in our group. Yeah. Due to circumstances, we were both in separate rooms. Yeah. Even though they were beside each other, we were both in separate rooms and blah, blah, blah. But Anime Week in Atlanta, it is the big anime con that happens in Atlanta, Georgia. Happens in September every year. It's probably the biggest one in the southeast area. I no. think they're saying like between fifteen and 18,000 people. I believe it was supposed to be the biggest con in the southeastern United States. Yeah, so it's, it's huge. And chances are you have heard us talk about it before. Like the several last previous AWAs, we've been doing panels now, and we cover, and usually I try to get congoers' experiences, but I didn't get a chance this time again because it was so packed of things to do. So, to begin with, well, we got there on Thursday, and Thursday was interesting in that they had their uh, super happy fun sale that Dave Merrill's been doing. It's been a sort of his pet project where he sort of creates the whole flea market environment. Super happy fun sale! Where you pay like 20 or 30 bucks and you get a table to put all the crap you want to sell off, and people come in and buy your crap. 
Yeah, uh, I got Dave Merrill's uh, Sasseriger figure. An awesome piece of anime mediocrity for the rest of my days. Uh. And, I mean, there was a lot of it was, like, anime and manga merchandise and various otaku gear, like, you know, plushies and wall scrolls and what have you. I at least saw at least one or two people who had their own books that they obviously self-published. They were selling to get rid of probably back stock and stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like only like 20 or 30 bucks for a table. It's way cheaper than trying to get like an artist alley table or, or, alley. or dealer's room. And so it gives them a, a real good chance of, you know, trying to sell some stuff right at the get-go. And then they can enjoy the convention later. Yeah, it's a, it's a neat idea. And it does seem to get some turnout, so. Oh, this year it was a huge turnout. Yeah. I mean, it was it was more packed than the dealer's room. And it was not in a small space this year. It was a pretty, it was part of main mm-hmm. events. They were, it was, and it was packed to the gills. Like, even like near when it was ready to close, it was still filled with people buying stuff. Like, I mean, there was at least a good 50 to 100 people right then and there. Yeah, at least. Was, uh... And it was, and afterwards, um, Dave did his old school classroom where he shows off a bunch of old old films and anime and stuff a lot of ishimori stuff this apparently this time which we said screw it we went drinking but at at the hotel bar but you know perhaps we should have gone but you know it's okay i heard people went there people had fun and in the end that's what's the important thing well we still would have had to coordinate the arrival of the rest of the people in the room it's true so it, it was probably best we were on standby so to speak but you know it was good it was fun and then we slept and then it was morning and then I guess would be straight up would be just you know opening ceremonies. Yeah, the only really only thing I did is walk to Lee down to registration, and we got him a badge. <laughs> yeah, registration was interesting because um, we had to go through the media. Uh, well, we had to go through the group line because we're a media group, and therefore we go to get group badges. Yeah. And fortunately, they the registration had a little bit of kerfluffle when we started, where they had mixed up all the badges. Uh, it seemed like the next morning things were running a little smoother. But uh, well, I'm sure they were, and I also yeah. Initially, there on Thursday night, it was a mess. It's like the the groups were moving the line moving the slowest, followed by pre-reg, and people just walking in were just basically walking up and paying money and walking away. Yeah, you can definitely tell that they had pretty much had their convention set up for all three days, setting in stone already on Thursday, which unfortunately was well great for them to have everything set up ahead of time. Probably was not the most optimal solution for Thursday. Because for Thursday, you know, you're going to have mostly people who pre-reg. People who are hardcore AnimeCon goers who know the score and are going to go ahead and pre-register ahead of time. Whereas, you know, what the setup they had was one for groups, two or three for pre-reg, and then two or three more for walk-in registration. Which is great for the convention because you're going to have a lot of both walk-ins and pre-registers. But on Thursday, they probably could have gotten away with having like maybe two for groups, you know, they're four for pre-reg, and then they have one for walk-ins. Which would have been a more optimal solution for Thursday, but probably not the optimal solution for the rest of the con. And And, you know... That said, it wasn't like it was a terrible wait for, for you know, badges or anything. No. So, they can totally get away with it, but there you have it. So, anyways, opening ceremonies was fun. You know, Dave Merrill comes up, he throws candy. Mm. I got popped in the head um, at yeah. least once. Um, Twice for me. You know, which is okay. I mean, we were near the front row. That's, look, when you go into war, you know that there might be casualties. You might take a Jolly Rancher to the head or something. It, it could happen. <laughs> or a Milky Way. You know, it, it, it's going to occur if you're near the front, you're most likely to get candy to the face. And if you're in the back, you're not likely to eat candy at all. So, Aww. dims the brakes. 
deal with it. And then, you know, we had, you know, the introducing all the guests and hearing that, you know, hey, thanks for showing up to AWA. Yeah, I like the, I still don't know who they were, but those Japanese fashion designer guys, they had great hair. They did. <laughs> and by great, I mean just totally outrageous. Like, I mean, like, gem, truly outrageous, outrageous hair. <laughs> and then there was that one random band that was very, very outgoing. Yeah, I still never got to find out if the one guy was the drummer or not, who was like, what is it, Me Too, or... He just that was like his only English. He was just ever just said was like me too. <laughs> Mostly they just yelled and going rock and roll. Yeah, I just figured the me too guy was a drummer. I just never got to find that out. He just looked like the drummer. <laughs> and you know, to preface the rest of this, you know, I sort of made my own personal schedule of what I wanted to go see, what panels I wanted to attend, and it was a very nice optimal schedule if I somehow could make every single thing right on time with no breaks in between. But it was totally not a realistic one at all. And so, while I got to several of the panels I wanted to, there were a lot of panels I didn't get to. I had to give it for, like, food or resting or what have you. Yeah, the one I'm... only thing I'm really kicking myself about is Anime Hell. Well, Anime Hell had its own separate yeah. issues with that. Yeah. Um, like, for me, my big thing I was really wanting to go see was the Zaki panel. Yeah. That Gerald and stuff was running, you know, Sunday morning when we were having to check out. Like, I was really True. looking forward to that panel to see, you know, because I love a lot of stuff that guy's done. It would be kind of nice to see, you know, them talk about it. But, you know, what happens now? That said, we did get to go see Mecha 101, the yeah. Saiyans fans guide to Mecha anime, which was being ran by Gerald and Daryl of Any World Order. So, I am so not the target audience of that panel. <laughs> well, I, I have a feeling that most people there were not. I yeah. wasn't. <laughs> Well, that's because you're a Philistine and don't like giant robots, but that's okay. Oh, 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 that hurts. No, I just, I never got really into the genre, Actually, and then... in theory, you should have been the target audience, because they were trying to, like, you know, do things that are easy to start with, easy to start watching. And and I, honestly, I have watched several Gundam and Mazinger and all that, and I just never paid attention because I just felt lost. But Gerald and Daryl actually made it kind of easy to try and get into it. Yeah, pretty much what they did was they went, okay, guys, here's how mecha fans are stupid. Don't be like that. <laughs> and here are shows that you can actually introduce people to, and they may not hate it. And there's some easy things you could branch into off it if they liked it, you know. But it totally definitely succeeded as a 101 panel yes unfortunately right afterwards was i think was that when that was that when i went to the dealer's room the first time maybe or was, that was lunch that was lunch mm-hmm. and then we went to the um or at least i know kevin and i did went to the um uh yoshitoshi abe panel oh yeah he, where he, he was talking he was talking, he was talking and you got to it first yeah that's where... Uh, I didn't realize he did the uh, cover art for uh, All You Need Is Kill, which is kind of cool. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and apparently, who was it that's trying to get a movie made of it uh, that he did star in? Yeah, there's apparently talks of a All You Need to Kill, All You Need Is Kill movie with Brad Pitt in it as the lead, I think they said. Which now, is so wrong, but on the other hand, I would like to see a movie made of that. It's an awesome book. <laughs> now... Just so you know who uh, Yoshitoshi Abe is, he is the uh, character designer for stuff like Lane mm-hmm. and uh, ha- Habane no Reime. Yeah, and I'm probably forgetting something else. Um, but and all you need is kill was this sci-fi novel that you can actually get in America translated. It's actually a pretty good translation. It's, um, to not be terribly spoilery, it's kind of Starship Troopers meets Groundhog Day, where a dude in sort of powered armor has to fight off aliens, and he's repeating the same events over and over again. Yeah, he, he doesn't keeps know why. dying, but he keeps repeating the same day over and over. And each day, 
he lives a little longer or he does something different and things play out slightly differently, but each day it starts over again. And it's a really good novel. It's like, what if Endless 8 from Harvey Sees Me was actually good? Um, <laughs> oh, the novel was good, but no. <laughs> but, and he talked to some of his other stuff and people asked questions, but it was just really neat, you know. It's always great if you can make it to a Japanese guest panel Right. Because you're going to hear stuff you have never heard of before. Yeah. What was going through his brain, what his inspirations are, and stuff like... Apparently he worked on this video game for, I guess, either DS or 3DS that was about detectives dying in spectacular ways. <laughs> yeah, I want that game. <laughs> where you play a detective, and at some point they are going to die, where the trick is to get as far as you can before they die. I gather there was some point of, like, the past experience somehow paid off for you with the next character, and you work through the story, but, like, you were never going to make it through it with the first guy. You always had to, you were going to die a few times no matter what. Wasn't there a question from the audience where they said if all the characters had been allowed to live, what would have happened to them? And he said something like, uh, they were never going to live. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds, he's an interesting guy. He has a better translator of the Japanese guests, although the translator didn't seem to always know what the guy he was talking about. Well, well, that's going to happen, especially when you have yeah. like super geek topics. Yeah, with, because I'm I'm an anime nerd, and I'm not gonna. I didn't know what all these things people are talking about, and that's just. And then trying to go between Japanese and English when you're maybe not even sure what the person's talking about in the first place is mm-hmm. got to be hard. And it was dumb luck that we happen to know what all you need is kill is. Yes. Because when I think it's at Hakisoru, whatever visit, Viz has an imprint where they're translating sci-fi novels into English. And they're releasing them as actual books or on Kindle and whatnot. And I happened to find out about it before they started it. And so I picked up all their first releases. One of them, which was All You Need Is Kill. And I loaned it to Kevin. And so that's why we both know what this book is. But if we hadn't going to this panel, we would have no clue what they were talking about. Only that it sounds kind of cool. Yeah, I think there were a few other people sounded like in the crowd who knew what it was. Uh, it got a lot of blank stares, though, so apparently not many people read that one. <laughs> well, I, I guarantee you that a lot of people know what Lane is in you know, yes. America, but oh, not yes. a lot of people know what All You Need Is Kill is. And really, the odd thing is, he is more of an art guy. Um, like, in terms of the... He had some creative influence in Lane, but it was really more an entirely different person. Chiaki Kanada, I believe. But he, like Lane and Haibane no Reime, I think he had a lot of creative influence on. He's still, he's more of an art guy. And I'm trying to remember, what, was there anything else we did before the English Jamboree hit? Um, I think we went to the noodle joint. And I was like, curse you and your foul noodle joint, <laughs> and went ate somewhere else. Um, yeah, that's right. I think we we hit the dealer's room, which was a dealer's room. Mm. It was okay. Basil finally found his slime. Uh, on Sunday. Oh, Sunday, yeah. Uh, up until that point, I was, you know, going, well, it's a dealer's room. And at this point, I have learned that the stuff that I want to buy at dealer's rooms, chances are, are not things they are going to sell Saw an angry in the dealer's room. Thought of you. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Screw that thing. <laughs> but I always know that now that I know what to do, I can always find something that I want. For example, I knew that Vertical was going to, with Ed Chavez, they were going to be selling books. Mm-hmm. And while I tend to order most of my books for Vertical online, there's a few things that I have not picked up yet, so I want to stop by his booth. And he was there, we exchanged pleasantries. And then he was like, oh, by the way, I have an advanced copies of Drops from God that I can sell. And I was like, <laughs> why, yes, thank you. <laughs> while um, myself and then Ryan Gavigan of anime, uh, Hyocon, or at least he used to do Hyocon. He also does Midnight Madness mm-hmm. uh, for Aided Way. Um, he's really big in the fan parodies. 
And he also picked up a copy, which enraged Gerald, because by the time he had a chance, they were sold out already. Oh, oh my. And I finally got my vertical bag, which was cool, and found out how getting a vertical bag works. The way it works is, if you find the vertical booth that's selling at a convention near you, if you buy three, um, three manga novels, what have you, three books, you get a bag. Didn't know how that works, so hey, I got now ten thousand needles. And I didn't get a bag at that other con. Oh, well. well, he was out of he was out of bags oh. at that point. Oh, okay, yeah, you're right. At Otakon, he was out of bags at Otakon. That's why he apologized when I was buying books. But I didn't realize that was how it worked. Would you buy a bunch of books and he gives you a bag? Oh, well, I should have bought some more books from him this time. Oh well, always the next con. Well, you know, and, and I picked up that, and he also had advanced uh, volume of Chi. Sweet Home, which I picked that up. Yeah, I want to get that. No longer human. And then um, Velvet. Velventine and Mandala, mm-hmm. it's teenage girl zombies things. Oh yeah, that which I picked up good. from Bonnie, which I actually need to get to you. Anyway, that actually sounded good. I, I, that's another one I wanted to get. I like Vertical's lineup; they put out interesting stuff. I also picked up a copy of uh, Peepo Chu, which is by oh I can't remember his name. I remember hearing him talk about it at his uh, is Otakon. It, is the guy a uh, Felipe Smith? He is either from Argentina or the U.S. or something, mm-hmm. but he's definitely you know um, you know he's definitely not Japanese, and he was actually able to go to Japan and actually people she was actually originally written in Japanese to, to be published in Japan, and it's one of the few cases of someone who's not Japanese actually publishing manga for the Japanese in Japan. Yeah, he is the exception to the rule, people. <laughs> and then Vertical picked it up to put it in English in America. So I picked up the first volume. That 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 manga is weird. Like, <laughs> how so? Like, there's titties for one, and, <laughs> and you don't get to see that often. And like, and it's not just like they happen to have boobs. No, I'm talking like black exploitation level, Tickle like bitties. like you know, like you know, multiple levels of like higher higher levels of the alphabet <laughs> and multiple increments. Oh my! Like you know, jugs, oh. and it's it's very lots of drugs and guns and bloody violence but about a but 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 also about a little guy who's good to go into japan for the first time <laughs> it's an interesting story and i and i really need to order the next few volumes okay that sounds interesting i wasn't sure what to make of that when i just saw it but and, and the art style because it's you know it's very definitely you know anime and manga inspired but it's not quite you definitely tell that's it's not your traditional Japanese look. Yeah. And, and so it's just really neat on multiple levels. But yeah, I think at that point, I then had to go get ready and prep for my, my first panel, which was my English Jamboree to uh, English Halder. Powered on my new laptop. Yes. <laughs> Powered by Kevin's new laptop because unfortunately, uh, recently, they have now released a new codecs that handle the new 10-bit encryption. Yeah, everything's on 10-bit now. It's uh... For your various MKV and other fan sub files and so i thought i future proof myself so i downloaded the latest codex and stuff and installed them to my netbook unfortunately that had the side effect of removing all my previous settings which allowed me to actually run video off my netbook that was in like 720p and higher resolutions and i still got to figure out how to reset it so that it can but in the meantime kevin has a nice fancy shiny new multi-core laptop that ran it just fine yeah other than occasional subtitle issues but i don't know that was just something weird in the settings but i ran it and you know it's 
what the English Jamboree is, is I run various clips from like anime and commercials and music videos that is filled with English, which is Japanese people trying to speak American and failing. Uh, visual K Disney covers. Oh my lord, yes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I might even make sure that we include some of that in here. Friend but, like me is still burned into my soul and the pain lingers. <laughs> like, chances are if you don't hear it, it's because James wouldn't let me use it. <laughs> so if you, well, we'll find out. So what was next on the docket? I think at that point, that's when we went to go get actual dinner. No, no, that's right. That's what happened was, no, we went to go see um, Leiji Matsumoto stuff by uh, Drew and Mark and Richard and them. Except we didn't really get there. No, we ran into Carl Gustav Horn from Dark Horse oh, Comics. Oh, yeah, and we went to oh, help yeah. him. We went and oh, helped yeah, yeah. him. He, um, Carl runs wonderful, wonderful, you know, he's the, he's one of the editors from Dark Horse, and he's one of the recurring guests for, um, and we get Atlanta, and by God, we love him for it. Carl's one of the most smartest, intelligent, coolest anime fans who loves his job, which is editing, you know, manga, you'll ever find. You know, I love that man to death, I hope he just keeps doing whatever it is he's doing, and yes, if you know him, he runs a party at night, and... We agree to help him get all his decorations ready because each of his parties always has a different theme and he does wilder and crazier ways of using that theme. And so we helped him get ready. And then as soon as we got done with that, we went to go get dinner. And by this point, we got back and my hell was already in effect and the room was packed. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, packed. Like standing room, fire code limit reach, nobody's getting in packed. Yeah, and there was, you know, there was no way, even as media, that we were going to get in because they literally just did not have enough room to put people into it. And so we said, oh well, it happens, and then went to go party hardy for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, probably didn't miss that much new stuff. I hope. <laughs> well, I know they played Robot King, the uh, thing that Mike Tool did where he took a knockoff Big Lots Gundam. Oh, yeah. And then did a song about it, which is great. It's amazing. And you should go look it up if you haven't heard it before or watched it. It's awesome. And that was pretty much our Friday, I think. Unless it was Sunday, anything else that I didn't know about. Didn't you have a. No, that was. On no, my other two panels were on. Our, our, my, we're on our panel, my other panel was yeah. off on, that was Saturday. on Saturday. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that might have been it for Friday. Pretty much. I just remember drinking a lot of Cuba Libres and trying absinthe for the first time at Carl's Party, and that was about all I remember. Yeah, so, anyway, Saturday. Um. <laughs> Which I was the first one up again. Um, I don't know how I was one, one of the last to always go to sleep at the, the first wake up. And I'm ostensibly one of the older, eldest people in our group. When were you up on Saturday? I was up at 8 or 9. Yeah, I think you beat me. Although I think Lee might have been up around then, but we didn't actually get out of the room. But Lee's crazy. He actually goes to bed at decent hours. He tried. He tried. But the first thing that I went to go see was um, Anime 101, an introduction to, for new fans, and confused parents. <laughs> which was Daryl Surratt running it. And I kind of went, went war to get see how he did it so that I possibly wait still that format for later conventions myself. Yeah. And it was interesting. He um, went through initial terms and stuff and examples. And it definitely is a great primer on what you should be looking at when you think of anime. They seem to actually get some confused parents. Uh, there was definitely some parents there. Definitely some parents there. And I think people were just bored and looking for something to do. It was first thing in the morning. If you're an early riser, sometimes hard to find things to do. It was. And, you know, and after that, I then had to jump out of that one early because then I had to go 
do getting your anime groove back, which was my next panel, which is my whole idea of making sure that, you know, the oh, people, yeah. yeah, for people who I always hear it, I always hear people talk about it, how they used to be in an anime and then they fell out, you know, it happens. Especially since the anime heydays of the early 2000s and the late 90s, where anime became this big thing and you had Toonami and Adult Swim and blah, 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 blah. You know, anime sort of had its little boom and bust. And so a lot of people who are now, who used to be in anime, are no longer out of anime. But a lot of them still go to anime cons. And so this whole panel is, I've tried to pick some anime that's a little bit different from the norm. Might be something that, you know, if you're out of it, you can get into. And gave me an excuse to run the first 13 minutes of Redline. <laughs> which definitely worked. Yeah, Redline is a... Redline is awesome. They got me to go watch it. And it's kind of amazing that the subtitles worked for that panel. But didn't work... For the other anyways yeah i don't know it was weird um and that worked out really well i showed red line and michiko ihachin and jellyfish princess, Jelly princess um, house of five leaves mm -hmm. toriko future boy conan yeah i think that might have been it yeah that's that's about i think that's what you usually because you, you change the lineup a little each time but yeah some of those have been in there yeah yeah next next year i'm going to change the lineup entirely but um those were a lot except for red line those were all the big hitters that i was using for this year and what i'll actually do is i'll actually go into the actual episodes and show and go into various scenes so people sort of have an idea of how the anime actually flows it's sort of a you know re sort of a not quite a recap but sort of a preview of what you're getting into Although, I know uh, right before that, me and Lee watched uh, an episode of classic Kishern and Steel G in the viewing room. That was fun. <laughs> and I got to watch a little bit of uh, Gokaiger because we walked by the live action room they were showing Sentai. It was kind of cool. I didn't get to do anything Saturday morning. I was sick and in bed and bemoaning my existence, but I got up by one, I think. <laughs> and then following that, um, I then went to a little bit of the, um, the indie manga panel. Mm -hmm. That was being done by Ed Chavez, where he actually explains what indie manga is, who what are the various magazines run in, what kind of circulations they are, some examples. And it was really neat and saw stuff that I was interested in, stuff that I already read, and discovering that a lot of stuff we actually get in the U.S. is actually pretty indie in Japan and do not get various big print runs at all. That usually, roughly, I think he said, like 2% of actual circulation of manga, which includes stuff like Wandering Sun. Oh, yeah. Which... Uh, Bonnie had, was sent on a mission to find stuff for, which did not work. Yeah, apparently it's so indie, no merchandise. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, unfortunately it's just going to happen. And then after that was, um, I think you went to uh, Best Mecha yeah, Fights? Yeah, I think between that and the, the Go to Guy panel, all I did but saw it was, went to Best Damn Mecha Fights ever, and that, who was that running that? That was, um... Darius. Darius. And that was a long panel. That was a long panel. Uh, me and Lee were there. We actually left partway through, went and got something to eat, came back. It was still going on. And we still had to leave a little bit early to get to go to the guy panel before it was quite over yet. I did get a uh, Gravion uh, first DVD because I knew Toshiro Hirano directed Ray Earth in addition to Ixer 1 because he showed Mixer 1. Went through some good stuff. There's a lot of go to guy floating around this con. Uh, which kind of fed into our next one, but uh, they had so he showed some Mazinger, some Get a Robo, a couple of the crossover movies. Uh, he did get into some more modern stuff further in, like a Zero Eighth MS team, and uh, I don't know, I missed some stuff a little bit. I know, oh yeah, we got up to go and eat when he was doing Robotech, just on the principle of the thing. <laughs> 
But yeah, then after that was um, anime's Creepy Uncle Gona Guy, which in between indie manga and eating and then having some stomach issues, I was I, I got there literally right as it hit three. Yeah. I'm walking in, and I'm like, well, it's going to, I don't know who's going to show up, and it was a packed room. Well, it evens out. I was, you know, I was like six minutes till the uh, getting your anime group back, and when I got there with a laptop, and <laughs> so it was okay. I just, I had the laptop set up and ready to go when you got there. Like, but man, it was one of those things where I was like, oh gosh, like, oh, well, I just had to rush in, I don't need people to show up, oh god, there's a complete room, they're all looking at me. And then Kevin and Richard from Akira Renditions and Seishi Khan's looking at me. And I'm like, uh-oh. This is the real deal. Yeah, this is an old-school con, AWA. They, they, they know going to guy. It's, uh... <laughs> like, they did. And this is sort of a... And it's, it's, a, it's a part 101, part celebration of all his big properties. As one of the things I've learned is that... And the same thing happened this time. You may know what Cutie Honey is... But you don't know about Mazinger. Or you might know about Mazinger, but you don't know about Shameless School. Or you might know about Shameless School, but you don't know about Enmakun. And since we're covering all the biggins... And everyone forgets Devil Man. <laughs> Nobody forgets Devil Man. Satan's always in your heart. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so at first, you know, we had a little bit of kerfluffles, because that's when Kevin's laptop started going, I don't really want to show subtitles. <laughs> I don't need to do that. And I, we were like, well, that's not going to work. So we switched to a different player, and it, that worked just fine. Yeah, I go fake. I don't know. I think it just does it on the profile I hastily created for Basil to run this on, and I don't know why. <laughs> and for me, you know, because I suddenly realized that there was a lot of people there, but some of them probably knew more about going a guy than I did. But we faked it. No. Uh... Yeah, well, you know, at, at first, you know, it was a little bit jumbled. I was getting back into the whole groove thing with it. But then I think once we actually got going and started showing clips, started talking, it was, it worked out really well. And thank God for Richard, who came in. He'd forgotten that he had even agreed to do this thing. And then he noticed his name was in the program guide. Yeah, he was like, hey, uh, apparently I'm going to be on the Go to Guide panel with you, Kevin. It's like, really? Yeah, I'm in the program and everything. <laughs> I, I didn't re- don't remember that, but apparently I am. Kind and of. our only big other big thing was getting you two to actually use microphones. Well, the microphone, the, t- the other two microphones were weird. They, they were kind of right. crappy because I mean yeah. Richard was speaking loud, and I was like, no, it was it wasn't going. I just mostly just like he had one that was okay, and mine was just dead. I'm pretty sure. But, and I was trying to do my best to enunciate to the back row. Because uh, I also discovered going to that panel room at other times, it, it, the, the mics were necessary. Yeah. Like, especially when we were talking a lot over the video. Yeah. You know, but you learn things, you live, you learn, and then you go to the My Little Pony panel. My God. It was full of bronies. Oh, my Lord, yes. Like, and this one has one of the, one of the weirder issues of um, Aid of Way is that they had the program book. And the program book had full titles for everything and descriptions and who ran what. It was great if you bothered to read it. The pocket program, on the other hand. Like, what was the real name of the panel? The, um, the real name of the panel was My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. How did it come to this? The pocket guy just said brony. That was it. <laughs> just brony. Just that one ominous word. And so I think a lot of people went there to go see 
what in the world, you know, to go, uh, oh, it's a brony thing. I'm going to go be a brony. And so people brought balloons, was ready to sing songs. And the whole idea was to have an intellectual discussion about My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Yeah, I still don't. They had some issue with their clip showing ability. So um, I still don't know what I think about My Little Pony. The people running <laughs> it was awesome. uh, Neil Nadelman, <laughs> um, who is a wonderful, wonderful translator. And he does totally lame anime. He's a funny guy. He knows his stuff. And then the other two people also knew their stuff, which was Gerald and Clarissa from Any World Order. Mm-hmm. And it was more or less them trying to talk about My Little Pony. And then whenever they would say something, occasionally they would suddenly get interrupted from the audience who decided that they, what they were saying was wrong and they needed to put their input. And so it was more or less them trying to tame the herd. Yeah, I, this is another, like many series, I, I think I'm starting to feel that My Little Pony is a show I might learn to enjoy but learn to hate the fandom. I think that's kind of where I'm coming from, too, because I like My Little Pony, and I like the intellectual discussion that they were having, especially what Clarissa had to say about, you know, finally being more than just boys in makeup, and I love that, but... Yeah, that made me actually think I might want to see the show, mm-hmm. the stuff that they had to say about it, about, you know, being pretty smart for by the standards of American TV for... Well, pretty smart by the standards of American TV, period. Mm-hmm. But also aimed at girls and still being smart for American TV, period. I know several guys who enjoy it, but it just it got to the point where they were just fighting with the audience and they were being annoying little jerks. So Yeah. The, the audience, by the, the way. Audience, yeah. The audience, by the way, sorry. My God, it's full of bronies, was said many a time by me. Didn't he have to take away their balloon? Well, he... Uh, someone was... Do the whole they pop they blew a balloon they were using it as sort of like a beach ball mm-hmm. to pass around the crowd and in the very beginning Neil Nadelman was like to the balloon like no mm-hmm. this isn't that kind of panel there will be no random musical numbers <laughs> and the entire crowd jeered I looked at him and then he sighed and then handed back the balloon and unfortunately we, we left a little bit early because we were getting hungry and we had a we had dinner dinner reservations but I guess we missed it when Nealman finally you know put on his uh bro you know his, his pony hoodie and declared himself king of all bronies but you know <laughs> that may have been what happened that's what we heard later and that's what I choose to believe yeah. I, I like to choose to believe that Neil Nailman is the king of all bronies and that they will all follow him into hell and back. Long may he reign. <laughs> and that's at that point where we went and had dinner. And then I think people started, you know, going separate ways. And then I eventually went back to go see Panel of Doom. Yeah, me and Lee and we ended up there too. Which and is Daryl Surratt showing goofy videos. Just which whatever tickles his fancy, which is, you know, especially if you missed Anime Hell, that was, it's more fun, crazy, melt-your-brain clip show action. You know, but he sort of, you know, he likes to do more Nicolas Cage, whereas, you know, yeah. Dave Merrill likes to do more Don Hertzfeld. Yeah, I, I love the Nicolas Cage p- pachinko vids. Those were awesome. And Nicolas Cage eating bugs because he's a vampire. Or at least he thinks he is. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I've never seen Kiss of the Vampire. I just know that's what it's from. Highly recommended. Very bad horror movie. You can get it on Netflix today. Netflix doesn't work too good at my house because internet sucks in New Hope. On the plus side, hey, no more Quickster. It's all just still just Netflix. Did you get your email too? I. It was on Twitter. I got my email. I was like, oh, so you're not going to play this game. But yeah, everybody was going to Blockbuster Video. But anyway. And after that point, I think, did you say for still for craziest stuff? Yeah, me and Lee hung around for Anime's Craziest Deaths. It was Anime's Craziest Deaths. It was kind of fun having Lee there because, you know, he go what is that and I could tell him <laughs> as opposed to when I'm there with Basil and he usually knows everything too you know he recognizes all the shows that I'm recognizing so what was your some of your favorite deaths well it's always classic Fist of the North Star I mean it just isn't anime's craziest deaths till you Ken gets to of course you know you're already dead someone you know it's uh, 
then they explode. Probably awesome. You know, a little wata ta ta wata action, you know. And some JoJo's, of course. Most of the cool deaths in Ma'o, because it's got several. Uh, did, he, did he break Dark Thunder? Yes. And a little bit of Genocide Burr, you know. It, it's some good stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't think he pulled out the Apocalypse Zero, because it wasn't an 18-up panel. But uh, he didn't... No, he didn't do... I can't. I don't think he did any violence, Jack. Either that would have probably also needed to be an eighteen plus panel. Uh, right. I saw somebody. No, well, I don't know. I, I may be confusing panel. He might have shown a little violence, Jack. Like the least violent, violent death in violence, Jack. Was that in the going guy panel though? Yeah. Okay. No, but no, we didn't show any violence, Jack, at the going guy panel. We didn't because you can't really show that at an all ages panel. No, we did show Black Lion. Yeah. Which was still pretty violent. Yeah. But but that that was that was in the acceptable level. This is not. Acceptable. Every time I the, the screen changed, I was like, "Oh, oh, ow!" Compared right. to Violence Jack, it's That's incredibly acceptable. acceptable. Mm. Violence Jack is. I sometimes wonder if I overhype it, but no, it, it it is just extremely violent and just it just cutting loose and incredibly violent, horrible things. And then I think we went went to go party hardy a little bit longer. Except we somehow ended up going to different parties at different times because we had split up. But well, it's true. But then we eventually met up again at the end. Well, about 2 o'clock in the morning, and then as we were in the elevator, next to me, you know, Daryl and Gerald Clissa, and then uh, Noah and Aaron from Ninja Consultants comes in. Daryl points at me and goes, podcast. I'm like, when? Now. Really? Well, it depends on Aaron. <laughs> and so next thing we know, just we... followed him. And she was like, who are you guys? I'm like, we're the awesome cast. Well... Erin knew me, and she's like, oh, I guess you can go in. But then when you mentioned that you were from the Oscar, she was like, oh, that's where you're from. Okay. Yeah. It makes more sense now. And it was a, I'm sure you'll hear it at some point. We'll definitely link to it. It was a very off-topic discussion, but it did way. Yeah, I hope you could actually hear some of the stuff we said that we're passing around a microphone. Um. The real, but, you know, the real star was, was, she was very, she was the life of the party. Yeah. And if it ever gets, you know... You know, bless her heart. And I don't know if it'll, this will ever get edited and released, but it is a link to it. She said some pretty great things. Yes, she did. Especially about, you know, Yamato and yes. how they should have handled Deslock. But, <laughs> well, you know. And that was Saturday, and then we eventually crashed, and then we woke up, and it was Sunday, and oh crap, we gotta get ready to leave because it's Sunday and the hotel's gonna kick us out. Yeah, I Or was, charge me for more room time, I'm, I didn't want to pay that money. I'm not sure... You probably, you might have woken up. I don't know. I was up kind of early, but I was also kind of trying to herd uh, Lee and Brad. <laughs> oh, I was still the first one up. Yeah. But it was one of those things where it's, you know, shower, start getting ready. Other people were showering. Yeah, I was kind of packed up. I was kind I was pretty much packed up well before. Like, Lee and Brad had started to get up when I was like, are you guys up? When I sent you the, you up yet text or whatever I said. Yeah. We have been up for a while. I had been up for a while at that point. But. but because of that, there was a lot of panels I wanted to go to on Sunday. But was it possible because we were too busy getting ready to go? So I missed the Azama Dezaki panel. Um, then Daryl did a best fight scenes ever in eight live action Asian cinema. Really wanted to see that it. Was probably really cool. Yeah, I'm sure it was awesomely cool. I did miss his remembering Satoshi Khan, but I already was at that panel at Otakon. Yeah. So I didn't feel that bad because I'm sure it was the same panel and it's great if you went through it. If you didn't go to it, he's running it again. Go to it. It's awesome. And then also ended up missing. I. Decided to instead go to the uh, Yamato panel at um, that was being hosted by Tim Eldred because I got to meet him the previous night and I told him I'd do some Yamato stuff. And man, that guy knows himself some Yamato. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to see some awesome scenes that he showed from like some of the premieres of the live action movie. Like I got to see the guy do the theme song 
with like Yamato backup dancers <laughs> where they actually start spelling the letters of Yamato <laughs> using their bodies. That was great. Uh, and I got to see his trip where he had to go see, meet Leiji Matsumoto. Oh, awesome. Patrick Messias, some other people. It was, the man's got some great stuff. And then at that point, I decided, when I found out, again, because I didn't realize who was running it, Aaron and Noah were doing a manga about culinary manga. And I had to go check that out. I don't remember what I was doing during this. I just remember ending up on Life of the Mecca D-List at the end. I, I went to the culinary one, too. I, I thought it was very interesting. I didn't know that you could have so much manga about food. Y- you can. Like, you know, there's manga that's about cooking food, cooking competitions, eating, eating in prison. Eating in prison, yeah. That one kind of threw me off two mangas about eating yeah, in prison. Yeah, there was like an eating in prison and a Yakuza eating in prison. <laughs> um, cooking the manga. There was, there was probably one called Cooking Papa. It's been around way longer than Cooking Mama. I'm aware of Cooking Papa. I've heard of that one. Um, that is the manliest man you will ever see. Yeah, yeah totally. I was aware. Of, I always wondered if it was Cooking Mama was somehow inspired by that. But, eh. but you know, there's a lot of really great cooking manga out there and I really kind of want to own some of it now and I'm now going to start looking into it. I actually have a little, little paper that I wrote on my pocket schedule about a bunch of titles I want to start looking up. You know, not manga but Kamen Rider Kabuto. When you're not ki- they're not kicking monsters so hard they explode, it's a lot about the main character cooking thing. Well, I mean, there's a lot of sub stuff about cooking things. I mean, you look at Kaishi where yeah. they want to make cakes and... Oh, well, also, you know, Fate Stay Night, especially the visual novel, they spend a lot of time talking about what they're cooking of all things. But, you know... I really liked the panel because they actually even took recipes from the manga and showed what happened when they tried to cook it. The one that killed me the most was when she tried to make the bread in the rice cooker. <laughs> Which is totally doable. We've done it. Well, our friends Brent and Amy did it. <laughs> but I had it and it was pretty tasty. It wasn't Mike and Esther. Somebody I, I did knew, it. <laughs> someone who actually made rice cooker melon pan and it was delicious. Hers, hers looked a little troubled. but. <laughs> well, not all rice cookers are made the same. But she made it in a Hello Kitty rice maker. So. Well, it's true. Mm. <laughs> They'll put Hello Kitty on anything. Mm-hmm. Well, they will. And then I think that we finally finished up um, catching the first half of the Life on the Mecca D list. I think we caught most of it before we actually left. But yeah, it was, it was a good bit of it. Which is by our buddies Mark and Drew, and also our buddy Dave Merrill, who is the co-con chair and does anime hell, much other stuff. But he's a busy man, and I think he actually had to leave early to get a sandwich and then also go host another panel. Yeah, because of bad scheduling. But oh well, we got he was there long enough for Sasariger, and that's all that mattered. But that's okay. I mean, one thing about Ada Boy is that there's tons of panels that are on at the exact same time. For example, Viz did a media industry panel at the same time as. Tim Eldra did his Anime Treasures panel, which at the same time as the My Little Pony panel. You know, when my English Jamboree was going on, you know, Aaron Noah were doing their unusual manga genres, while then Drew was also doing his Leiji Matsumoto panel, while somebody else was also doing another panel I kind of wanted to go to. And, you know, and if you were ever just didn't know what to do, you could drop by one of the viewing rooms. So, there's always tons of stuff to do at any way. The trick is you always have to really seriously pick and choose what you're going to go see and what you're going to do. But if you know how to do it properly, you're going to have a great time. Yeah, pretty much. I'm just really disappointed I didn't get to go all the ones you did because of my sickness. I got the con crud. I actually wanted to go see several of those that you mentioned, but oh well. Well, you unfortunately caught the con crud as you went to the con. <laughs> it, it was You didn't get the... the usual pattern of you're fine then you go to the con then you catch it you got to catch it 
at the con and it blossomed during the con. Yeah, it didn't help that I tried to get blood. They couldn't even get a whole bag out of me. I was so sick. I sh that was a bad idea. But I did still get someone blood and I still got to see your panels, which are the most important to me. So, <laughs> yay. But, you know, it was great. It was fun. I, I enjoyed myself. You know, I don't think there was that many, like, glitches or bad things happening, for, at least for me, that happened at the con. Yeah. There was, oh, that one voice actress whose name I'm forgetting, but she was, uh, she was Dorothy and Gundam Wing. Uh, and she had a bad translator. Oh, I'm my sorry, God. But, uh, I, I'm sorry for her. Her translator was bad. Well, yeah, it was obviously this was a girl who probably knew the basics of Japanese. It probably might even know Japanese pretty well. I don't think she was equipped to be a translator. You know, the other guy who was who was handling Abe was, you know, he was doing the usual thing we see a, a translator who knows what they're doing. They're writing everything down as they're talking. They're thinking about it before actually then, you know, either right. saying it in English or Japanese. They actually put a little thought yeah. to it. Whereas, Maybe I shouldn't talk because I don't think I could do that. So who am I? Oh, I definitely couldn't. But she was just trying to do it off the cuff. Yeah. And, I, and that's why I'm wondering if she does it, if she knows Japanese, but has never actually tried to be a translator before. Yeah, the back and forth element. And so I just think she was a little overhead, especially as the voice actress. She was very, very... Verbose. Yeah. Verbose was, and speedy when she was she talking. Was, yeah, she was talked quickly. She was bubbly. She was a happy Genki girl. And, you know, you she know. was she was everything you'd want out of a Japanese voice actress guest. She was entertaining. Like, I, I got enough of a gist that it didn't hurt me too much. The translator was a little awkward, but, you know... Basically, I think she was trying to say, and what I got from what they were trying to say, she was talking about how like, she wanted everybody to come to her panel and that how the power of anime helped a lot of people during the earthquake that happened in Japan. That she would go and volunteer, and they would be sitting there watching anime to try and lift their spirits, which was kind of cool. At least that's what I think that's what she said. That was in there, somewhere. Somewhere. More or less. <laughs> There's actually, well, that'd almost be, that'd take a long time. There's a lot of interesting, fun anime and live action uh, related stories and related to the earthquake with the actors therein, but that's a, that would actually take a while to go into, so maybe not the place, but... But, yeah, and, you know, and honestly, if the fact that, you know, we had fun and our biggest problems was we couldn't do everything we wanted to do... Yeah, I mean, that, and is, that, our, that is our biggest problem with the con. There were just too many fun things to do. We couldn't do them all. Oh, my... That means it was a pretty good convention. And again, I was able to find Dragon Quest stuff. I have been searching high and low for anything Dragon Quest at all in dealer's rooms this entire year. And as I was picking up Jellyfish Princess, you know, little uh, Kurala plushies, I then look and see they had a King, metal, uh, King Slime plush. And I was like, King. mine. And I'm glad I bought it. It was 40 bucks. I'm like, well, that's a lot of money for a plush, but it's Dragon Quest. I don't care. On eBay, these things are over a hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. So even though, so whether I don't know whether or not I've paid too much, obviously I could have paid way more. In this case, Edway had the greatest dealer's room of all time, <laughs> at least this year. As far as the actual, you know, construction, I mean, Edway has always had a really good dealer's room. There's plenty of open areas yeah. to walk big. around in. You don't you don't feel like you're being shoveled around because even Otakon, yeah. As huge weather, there were just so many people. It was kind of cramped. It was kind of cramped. It was eight away. You could walk space. wherever you wanted to. It's a huge space, and mm -hmm. there, were, there were a lot of dealers, but there was also enough space in between booths. There was enough space that you could have clear lines of traffic, and you weren't necessarily all crammed up against each other. I also got to see Bob and Emily Jesus again and finally meet their kid Squish. Aww. That was great. The littlest Jesus of them all. 
If you've never heard of Robert Emily DeJesus, I strongly recommend going back and listening to our interview with them that we did a couple of years back. They're great and wonderful people. Bob's an awesome artist. Emily is a great and wonderful person. Mm-hmm. And go check, you know, definitely check the interview and check out their stuff. It, and it was good times. And the artist alley was also, I, I see what they were trying to do with the, the setup of it, but I have a feeling that what they did was, if you can imagine an H, and then the first half of that H was filled with, ta- with all the booths and stuff, right? There was, you know, there were booths that were making the H shape. And then within the bottom half of the H was filled with more booths, you know, for artists. Yeah. And then the upper half of the H, the, the actual lines of the H were still more booths, but in that middle area, there were just tables for people to go sit in. Yeah, and if you were kind of at the back of the room... It no seemed, one saw you. No, it seemed like that was kind of deserted. And sadly, I, I know people who were stuck back there. And it seemed like they weren't getting the traffic they maybe deserved. Hmm. I think maybe what might be a better way to handle it next time would be to have the front and the back filled with stuff and have the middle area to have the open tables. Or just not have open tables and just get... Or maybe they didn't have enough artists to fill up the entire spot. I don't know. But I, I, feel, I feel that another complaint would be to better optimize that space so that all the artists can get some sort of actual thing. Uh, like, or possibly, you know, die. maybe put the art show in the back so the front... So that gives people an excuse to go to the very back to go check out the art show. Yeah. So they'll see these other artists. Something so that definitely yeah. some artists got the raw deal Yeah, to encourage here. people to, you know, go from one end to the other somehow. And it'd be great if they could figure out some way to let not that happen. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I can think about it, at least from us. Yeah, that was like yeah. totally a con. And um, yeah. I totally had fun, except for the days I was sick and dying. But it was good. I still had fun. So that's us. Supercalifragilistic expialidocious. <laughs> what a punch you, Kevin! I promise. <laughs> <laughs>